King. It's the tale of the tape, it's time to enter the ring Boxing knowledge, dropped by Kenny and Vin This is sweet science, by some diehard fans Manny and Floyd, I am Mike and the rest And you're tuned in to the best of the best This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio And it's time for the next episode Welcome back, fight fans, to episode 27 of the Tale of the Tape here on Sports Rant Radio. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com, and with me as always, Sports Rant Radio contributor Vince Cummings. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape, Ben. Glad to be here, Ken. Cover these uh, this whole weekend of big fights. Yes, sir. It has been a boxing spectacular, gigantic buffet, smorgasbord of boxing events. So let's go ahead and just kick this thing off. We've got a lot to talk about here on episode 27, the post-fight edition of the Dueling Fight Cards, HBO and Showtime going head-to-head for the first time this year with major, major cards. So we take you to the Chelsea Theater live from the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, Nevada as the return of the Desert Storm. Timothy Bradley squares off with the rough, rugged, and tumble Diego Chavez, the Argentine slugger. So from the onset of this fight, it looked like Timothy Bradley was going to do exactly what Timothy Bradley does and just say, hey, what do you want to do? Let's phone booth fight. <laughs> right, man. It's unbelievable. Never fails. Yeah, man. It got a little wild in the first round. I got to say, the first thing I noticed from Timothy Bradley, Ben, was he had really good head movement. He did. He was uh, he was getting low, ducking mm-hmm. in and out, spinning out, and uh, Chavez was whiffing big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bradley, you can definitely tell he did a lot of the Mike Tyson rope work in this. Yeah, yeah Leading up did. to this fight, didn't he? Yeah. Remember how Tyson used to make his way in against the longer fighters? Uh, you never saw anybody do it quicker than Tyson, boy. No, <laughs> no. Tyson would be like, whip, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. No, but Bradley's head movement was really good. That was something uh, yeah, I hadn't seen very often. I think he, in, in some regards, had tried to maybe implement that in his uh, – training regiment to uh, to offset the pounding that he's been taking. I, I was going to say, it was probably a very good idea that they worked on that. We go to the second round, and boom, a giant clash of heads, a huge headbutt, and then followed up by another headbutt. Yeah. And they each got the worst end of it. First it was Bradley, right. and then it was Chavez. Bradley with what may end up, and we'll find this out in the in the upcoming week, maybe a fractured orbital bone or something in his face because the way his face looked after the fight, it looks like that that was a broken bone. That's not just, hey, you got punched a few times. Yeah, that wasn't normal swelling at all. No, and then Chavez, of course, opens up with a huge laceration above his eyebrow, and uh, you can go on my Twitter account, at Boxing Yoda. I posted some some up-close pictures of that cut, man. I mean, you could almost take the entire Q-tip and fit it inside the cut. Yeah, he he got that thing closed up quick, though. That was good cut man work in the corner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, at, at this point, I got it tied. I gave the first round to Chavez as his counterpunches seemed to be doing the most effective work. No doubt about that Bradley, though, was the aggressor. Yes. So we moved to the third round, and... This is a round I ended up scoring for Bradley Venn, but Chavez landed a massive 
massive uppercut in this round. Yeah, he did. And I thought that this was going to be the one punch that we talked about leading up into the preview about is is Bradley close to walking into that one punch. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that it's definitely going to come sooner than later. It did not happen on this punch. Bradley really needed to be careful moving forward after this round. Yeah, he did. He uh, he had tasted it, and we all know, like we talked about, you know, Bradley's uh, he's one punch away, it seems like, from, yeah. uh, from it all coming to an end. Absolutely. In the fourth round, about halfway through, it turns into a phone booth fight. Bradley was throwing some nice hard body shots. Yeah, he gets a little he gets a little wild though and wide, man. When he want, when he wants to trade on the inside, I, it's just so awkward. And I, I guess that's how he's effective doing it. I mean, it's just his punches are thrown from these weird wide angles. Yeah, he doesn't take the A to B route. He goes <laughs> he goes A to C to D to B when he's on the inside. When really, he could just shorten up right with some short popping uppercuts and. And uh, and body shots. I but, think in order for him to thud, or at least somewhat of a thud on his punch, he's got to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no doubt by the end of that fourth round, uh, Bradley looked physically strong. And uh, into the fifth round, another round that Bradley takes on my card, yeah. Bradley was just outworking Chavez at this point. Now, let's not forget, let's not be so absent-minded to think that at this point Chavez was not in the fight, because that was not the case no. at all. Yes, these were very close rounds. Yeah, Bradley was just flat out working him. Yep, which is what he always does. But as we come into the sixth round, a round that Bradley physically took a break on. Yep. Okay? He was visibly not, he, he was tired. Yeah. Okay, so, so he took the round off. And also what you're starting to see is the tide turning as regard to the physical shape and well-being of Bradley his face really started to swell and his eyes started to swell shut and that's not to say Chavez's eye was swelling shut too right but Bradley was no doubt taking a break by the seventh round Bradley's face was severely nicked up and at this point in the fight in the seventh round Ben on my scorecard I had it 67 to 66 in favor of the desert storm Timothy Bradley Chavez was standing his ground and countering with hard counter uppercuts. Yeah, you saw the uh, the tide was beginning to turn there in six and seven. Going into the eighth round, you started to see the same exact effect that Bradley was dealing with in the seventh round, getting used to the fact that he could not see. Chavez's left eye was almost completely shut right. at this point. Uh, Bradley was playing really nice in, inside defense and started to sort of refrain from the wildness. Right. You know, he started to shorten it up, but... To the demise of Bradley, I feel, Bradley also became less active by doing so. And that's that's not a thing we're used to seeing. He gets more active as fights go on sometimes. Exactly. And to Bradley's detriment, if you're a guy who your philosophy is to outwork the opponent and you're going to throw a thousand punches to win a fight, right. that that's the way you win. <laughs> Don't you yeah. have to do that? I mean, that's yeah, that's his, his main thing that he needs to win fights is... We've said it all the time, last show, this show, it's work, outwork, 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 and he just, he kind of fell off there. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I scored the eighth round for Bradley, because like I said, Chavez was, uh, was pawing at that eye. And then going into the ninth round, right, Bradley was boxing a solid round, but he got really sloppy at the end with those signature wild hooks, where mm -hmm. it's almost, it's, it's not so much dangerous to Bradley in the, in the fact that he, you don't think he's going to run the risk of getting knocked out because he is his body, like his upper torso, goes parallel to the canvas. He's looking straight down at the ground while he's looping these huge, crazy right. hooks over his head. And it's like, dude, 
stop. I, I don't know if he does it because there's really no legal way to punch him other than in the back of the head at that point because he's so low, you can't even really dig an uppercut underneath of that thing. No, you can't, especially because the guy's barely five foot six anyway. Right. I think the problem with Bradley is he's got so much gusto and pride. Right. He doesn't like being the smaller guy in the ring, so he feels like he's always got to prove. The fact of the matter is, dude, Timothy Bradley, if he wasn't so, he's got the Curtis Stevens syndrome. He's way too muscularly built, which causes him to fight in a division that he's physically not strong enough to fight at. Yeah, he should be at 135, 140. Yes, he (laughs) definitely should be. I think at 135, Bradley would be devastating. He would be, yes. Devastating with those shots. But he's fighting against a guy that is visibly much bigger than him. And Diego Chavez has a gigantic head. Yes, he does. He He can wear some shots. He can. You saw Chavez get knocked out against Thurman. It wasn't a it wasn't a shot to the face, was it? No, it was, it was body a body shot. shot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, one thing I noticed in the ninth round was that Joel Diaz really stays on his fighters in the corner. He doesn't let them think they're winning. No, he doesn't. He's he's a good trainer, man. Very good trainer. But at the end of the fight, you begin to realize the words from Joel Diaz. The commentators made you feel like Joel Diaz was just trying to keep his fighter's mind right. Right. Hindsight's 50-50. Yeah. You know? We know Steve Spurrier says that. That's right. So looking back on it, it looks like Joel Diaz actually was telling Bradley the truth. That you you need to keep fighting here. Yeah. You cannot, you're not winning this fight. And... It sounded like during the fight, because the announcers thought it was a lopsided shutout for some reason. Yeah, I don't get that. For some reason. But but then again, they're not watching the fight. They're, you know, they're having story time like they always do. Um, going into the 10th and 11th round, Bradley began skating the perimeter in the 10th round to stay away from Chavez more. Chavez then became assertive and took control of the fight from that point on. Mm-hmm. Winning the next three rounds, in my opinion, without a question. Yeah. Without a question. And that was the swing in the fight because what ends up happening here is Bradley in the ninth round, I have him winning the fight 87 to 84. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's got a three round lead. Three rounds left. With three rounds left. So for all of the people out there, my scorecard ends up 114, 114 at a draw, which the fight was scored a draw as the final scorecards coming in were 116, 112. Uh, Chavez, 115-113 for Bradley and 114-114. Here's the issue, okay? Yes, going into the ninth round, Bradley had a big lead. He did. And if Bradley would have continued his work rate, he would have won those rounds and ended up winning a 118-110 to card. Yep. That would have been the final score of this fight. It would have been domination. But uh, unfortunately, Bradley did not do that. So to say he got robbed for the first nine rounds of work... No. No, come on. The thing is, Bradley didn't pitch a shutout in those first nine rounds. No, he didn't. That's the problem. So I understand. Look, I'm not saying that, that Chavez even won. Had Chavez won, I would have been like, uh, that's hard for me to say. I, I don't know if I can support that. But I can't say Bradley won, so right. then it's a draw. When you look at that fight as a whole, you know, thinking about it now after watching it, and it's kind of settled in. Chavez did the better boxing. Yeah, of course. He, I mean, easily did the better boxing, landed the more consequential punches. It was just like Bradley always does for the first half, six, seven, eight rounds, was out working. Yep. And at the end of the fight, this is the first time we've seen him kind of gas out. And I don't know if some of those Chavez body shots early kind of got to him a little more than normal. But, yeah, I mean, I think a draw was fair in this fight. I mean, nobody really took control. No. It was, it was what it was. 
I, do we really need to see a rematch of this? No, I don't think so because you're, you're going to get the same thing. Right. Bradley's not strong enough to dispatch Chavez. No. Chavez is going to be there working the entire time. Chavez is the bigger fighter. So the only way that Bradley beats him is by outworking him. That's the only way that that fight can go. Right. There's a 0% chance of Bradley knocking out Chavez. No. There's just, I think there's a 0% chance of him knocking out anybody. At in the 147? Welter- yeah, at yeah. 147, no chance. Yeah, I agree. So do you have a problem with the draw? No, I, I'm, I'm okay with the draw. I mean, I thought if anything... Either fighter may have won by one point one way or the other. So at that point, I mean, yeah, a draw is fine. Yeah, I mean, Julie Letterman's card, the 116-112 card for Chavez. That's a little high. I can see people getting mad about that, but let's be honest with ourselves. It's just one round off. The people that are screaming travesty are the ones that that had Bradley. Oh, yeah. You know, that was their pony. He was a huge favorite in that fight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Ten to one. I just wish that our our gambling site would have had some uh some side uh side bets and props going on that fight man because i you know picking a draw probably would have been good money oh it's always good good odds on picking a draw yeah and then un- unfortunately they only had the uh the pick the winner option there so i, I actually stayed away from that one did you yeah i wish i would have uh, put some money on the next one though so we go to peter quillen's wbo championship of the world the vacated belt by the coward Quillen yeah. of the Heyman camp, vacating it for no other reason other than he is so famous he doesn't even need to fight anymore. Hashtag random acts of Quillen. There's nothing more valiant in this world no. than doing what Quillen does. It's, it's taking the world by storm. I have actually trademarked bracelets that say, what would Quillen do? <laughs> <laughs> WWQD. Yeah, what would Quillen do? Well, he would do random acts. Of Quillen. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Korobov, the Russian amateur pedigree, a 311 amateur record, squares off against the Irishman Andy Lee. The Irishman Andy Lee. We love some Andy Lee, boy. Yes, we do. The last time Vince and I saw Andy Lee, we saw him back in June 7th, Madison Square Garden for Cotto Martinez. Squaring it off against John Jackson of the Fighting Jacksons, a really highly touted, undefeated prospect at the time. Jackson was 18-0 coming into this. And Andy Lee, I mean, come on, man. Let's be honest. Andy Lee showed up to a fight against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., a fight he probably should not have taken in the first place. No. And was outweighed by almost 25 pounds in the ring. Yeah. And just was completely out physical and the body shots from Chavez, he didn't stand any chance. It, it was a it was a good move in some regards, right. but a bad move in the way that it ended, in the way that he looked physically outmatched. Yeah. It almost looked like Garcia versus Salka in the size differential between the the Cheeto munching Chavez right. and Andy Lee. So anyways, the John Jackson fight. John Jackson dominating, put Lee down in the first round is completely and utterly pitching a shutout. Andy Lee has nothing going. Andy Lee gets knocked back into the ropes, bounces off of them, swings around, and as he's backpedaling to the other side of the ring, Jackson comes in to throw a finishing punch, and boom! Down goes Jackson, lights out Andy Lee with arguably the knockout of the year. Yeah. Sends John Jackson packing in utter disbelief, so Andy Lee earns the fight against fellow top-ranked fighter in Matt Korobov. 
coming into this fight, the odds were in favor of the Russian boxer, the pure amateur pedigree of Korobov. They get into the ring. The first thing I think, Vin, is this looks like, physically, it looks like if I blurred my eyes or took my glasses off, it looked like Mickey Ward fighting against his brother, Dickie Eklund. <laughs> I mean, you had the physically chiseled, thick, thick fighter in Korobov yeah. against this scraggly, long, wispy, thin, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Looking like a bare-knuckle boxer from Ireland. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. I mean, it, it, this looked like a physical mismatch. Yeah. But I tell you what, coming out the gate, Andy Lee was looking for one thing. Oh, you could tell. He was, you, he was measuring. And so what happens is for, for five rounds, you have Korobov. And on my card, I had Korobov winning 49 to 46, taking four out of the five rounds. I, Lee stepped up his pace, became more active, and started to jab in the third round. But there was one thing that was happening during this fight is I became increasingly nervous. I don't know about you, but when, these, when you have two guys that you know – can knock each other out at any point. Right. And they're not doing much because they know that. They both know that. Oh, yeah. You're waiting for... I mean, it just starts building and building and building. And I'm sitting here having flashbacks thinking something is about to give. Right. Something's about to give. Sure enough, the sixth round, Andy Lee comes through with a monster right hook and just completely decapitates Korobov, spun him around. He was drooling. I think in slow-mo you saw the drool coming out. <laughs> yes. And goes in for the kill. Kenny Bayless stops the fight and in a flash. Yeah. Andy Lee becomes the WBO middleweight champion of the world. Go on my Twitter page and look at the picture I posted of the point of contact when Lee landed that punch. Korobov's hands were like looking like he was getting ready to fly. Right. And Lee, I mean, <laughs> the question I posed was, uh, anybody see a problem about where Korobov's hands are right here? Oh, yeah. But there was an exchange prior to that, and Andy Lee did take a lick. But as we all know, if you're going to get in a punch that Andy Lee landed, you're going to have to take one to do it. Oh, yeah, and that uh, that right is still devastating, man. Devastating. Uh, he's 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 got nine lives in the ring because of that <laughs> damn right hand, boy. So here's the question I pose. We'll talk about this more in depth, okay? As Andy Lee knocks out Matt Korobov to become the WBO middleweight champion of the world. Is Andy Lee the fighter of the year? <laughs> Let's be... Look, look, think, uh, yeah. Put it in a time capsule, okay? Right. Think about where he was in round four against John Jackson. Just think about that. I'll say this. <laughs> He's the comeback fighter of the year because coming into this year, his, his career was... Floundering. I mean, there was not much. Okay, so 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 there you go. If that's where you're starting from, right, and trying to decide who the fighter of the year is, was was Kovalev's career floundering? No, I mean he was just doing what everybody expected yeah. him to do, right? He did what Terrence he was supposed Crawford, to do. Terrence Crawford, yeah, other candidate, fighter of the year, Manny Pacquiao. Oh, dude, all these guys were doing. So Andy Lee was was his career was over in the fourth round against John Jackson. Oh, it definitely was. Throws a hail mary punch. Okay, which in my opinion is one of two or three punches. Okay, you got Mansour's knockout, yeah. right? You got Frotch's knockout of Groves, right? And you got this, and, and you got his knockout of John Jackson. So now we add maybe Frotch's Frotch knockout of Groves. Yeah, maybe, but 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 even so, his that knockout of Groves was the same knockout as John Jackson. Right, they went out. Right, they were one punch knockouts. Right, and that was it. So the question is is 
dude, think about this. We got two weeks until we do our, our, our year end show. Seriously, think about the what Andy Lee has done this year. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I didn't think about it until you said something. But yeah, it's amazing. Cause... He went from being his career was over in the fourth round against John Jackson to scoring two unbelievably improbable one punch knockouts. To become the WBO middleweight champion of the world, yeah, that's uh, that's insane, man. <laughs> I, I, dude, I got he's there. I can I can confidently say this now, just going off of my memory of this year, right. flashing it back through my head. Andy Lee will be a finalist for fighter. Of oh, the he's year. on he's on the short list now that you brought it up, and I think about it. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Good. I, I'm 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 really happy for Andy Lee. And you know what, Peter Quillen. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for you. You become a little bit more irrelevant in your eyes. You become more famous. Andy Lee's becoming famous off some just unbelievable comebacks and these uh, you just pulling these wins yeah, out man. of you know where. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And he's got to be fighting with a lot of confidence right now. What do you think about uh, they're talking about matching him up with BJ Saunders? Oh, I think that would be a horrible fight. You think so? I think Saunders would get destroyed. I think well, Saunders can box. Yes, he can. Well, Korobov can box. Yeah. And Korobov's got a much more revered uh, pedigree right. than does Saunders. You think, Sa- you think Lee skips over that fight, maybe? No. I yeah. think Lee fights anybody. Right. I don't think he fights Triple G right away. No. I think he enjoys having a belt. Yeah. Considering that that's you know, been his life's mission. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I don't see anybody in the middleweight division at all right now that this guy's dodging. No. And, and I don't even consider him not taking a Triple G fight as dodging it. I think this is just him enjoying his spoils for a minute. Oh, yeah, and he deserves it. A fighter who fights the way he does deserves those spoils. But I think he should fight Billy Joe. I think he should fight Saunders. I think yeah. that, that's who he needs to be fighting. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think a fight between, um, let's just say, for example, um, a Andy Lee-Danny Jacobs fight, that would be a good fight. Because right. I think they're both like to land the big shot. I think they both look to land the, right. the big shot. The fact is, dude, is... Barring, let's just remove Triple G from the equation. There's Andy Lee. If there is a puncher on the planet that has a puncher's chance to win, it's him. It's he can knock anybody out with one shot. With one shot, how many people in boxing have one punch knockout power? One punch flatten you without literally it being like a freak. Paul Williams running into Sergio Martinez. Right. Manny Pacquiao running into Juan Manuel Martinez. There's probably four five guys max in the sport and that's four or five hundred fighters you're talking about the irishman i'm the lead <laughs> i'd like to i'd like to see him take it back to ireland man yeah absolutely i think he should go back to ireland and defend it that'd be some raucous raucous stuff yeah all right man so let's keep on trucking so we move into the junior welterweight division as mauricio herrera squares off with top rank prospect jose benavidez Top rank was tired of waiting on Benavidez, so they decided him to throw. They decided to throw him to the wolves against a proven fighter. Um, I'm going to let you take it away on this fight, Ben. What did you think about this fight? As as put it into a capsule before we start breaking this thing down. Um, Benavides lacked the work rate probably he needed early in the fight. Mm-hmm. Second half of the fight, he came on real strong. I I had one problem with Herrera in that fight is. He, He's had some really good fights the last couple of fights and looked excellent. Mm-hmm. And he looked fine last night. But the first time I noticed that he had Benavides on the ropes, a lot of these punches that he was throwing were just... I, I, you can't really score those shots. They're just such light. 
He was doing absolutely no damage. I was, I want to say disappointed at his performance, but I thought he kind of, Benavides got off a little easy as far as Herrera fights are concerned. I thought one thing I wanted to talk about was Benavidez's trunks were up to his nipples. Oh, they were, yeah. You and, saw the, the ref pulled him down a couple times. Yeah, but the ref continuously was telling Herrera, and Herrera was, in my opinion, had won the opening rounds of the fight. Right. And a large part to being able to put Benavidez back against the ropes with a jab to the body. Right. But he kept on telling him, your, your punches are too low. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself, so he's going to stop using that punch as his lead. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's going to take the momentum away from him because of the fact that Benavidez has his trunks up below his pecs. So if he can't, and, and he's, he's punching uphill against a guy that's four inches taller than him, what's he really going to be able to do? Right. You know what I mean? Because That's the basis of his attack. Yeah, and so Benavidez gets up against the ropes, and he's got his, he, he, he basically leans backwards right. up against the ropes. He's not just standing against him. He's leaning completely backwards, and he's putting his forearms up in front of him. His forearms are overlapping his trunks. Right. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, this is kind of cheesy, man. Like, this is kind of like... I don't like the fact that Benavidez is getting an advantage like this, for one. Right. Okay, that was kind of frustrating for me. But let's get into this fight for a second. So Herrera won the first three rounds outright. Yes. I didn't think there was any question about this whatsoever. No. Benavidez started to apply himself um, in the mid-rounds, okay? So Benavidez comes back. I, ha- I score this to Benavidez taking four, five, and six. I have the exact same first six rounds. Okay, so then I have the next three rounds going, swinging right back to Herrera. Right. Okay? Then, after that, I got two rounds to Benavidez, and I give the closing round to Herrera because he just kept on coming. Right. He wore everything Benavidez could throw at him, kept coming forward, and fought all the way to the end. My scorecard was 115 to 113 for Herrera. Okay? And... I had a huge problem with the result of this. You're one, okay, you have one card, 117-111 to Herrera, and then two cards, 116-112 to 112 for Benavidez. This fight, I cannot in any way, shape, or form think of a way Benavidez won this fight. I, I can't. No, the, the best you could possibly sell to me is a draw, and that's pushing it to about the limit right there. It, I, I only thing I can think of is with these judges – and, and Herrera, and he's having all these problems in these fights is maybe it doesn't translate on TV. Maybe ringside, this guy's punches, they're just like, look, there's nothing on these things. I want to score the round for this guy, but those punches just had nothing on them. Yeah, but here's the thing. Benavidez, it, it, it almost is like a, this guy's been filled. His head's been filled so much. Everybody's been telling him that you're the next great thing. Right. He looks like a guy who... He relies on his power, and that's it. I didn't see anything from Benavidez that said that this guy, granted, he's 22 years old, right. but I don't see anything from Benavidez that shows me that this guy is, is trying to win this fight. He, he laid on the ropes way too much. Way too much. He could have if he wanted to. If he wanted to. Or, hold on, I'm not even going to say that. It may not even be a matter of desire. If he was able to. So if you're not able to, or not, or you do not have the desire to, impose every advantage that you have, being reach, power, and speed. And size. And size. All of these advantages. And you do not implement a single one of them? No, he, backed, he was backed up pretty much 
the the entire fight. So okay, let me ask you this: as a judge, you're a judge. The guy who supposedly is playing patty cake over here in Herrera is backing this guy against the ropes. Yeah, it's ter- what does that tell you? Yeah, I mean that tells you Benavides has no heart. He needs to dig in. You just said it. He needs you to dig just in. said it. He has no heart. Right. He should have been able as as big and as bad as Benavides was supposed to be. He should have been able to stand his ground and back Herrera up. Exactly. He let a guy with no consequence on his punches back him up the entire night. Yeah, I mean, I, I, tr- I had the same exact score as you. I have 115-113 Herrera. And that was kind of... I gave the 12th to Benavides just because I thought he landed some bigger shots yeah, in the no, 12th. I, I, I'm not going to argue with right. you. Right. But either way, I mean, you can't... You can't... There's no way you could have given that fight to Benavides. And it kind of it ticks me off, and you heard it last night in the in the broadcast. You got a future moneymaker mm-hmm. and a guy that's kind of on his way out. Yeah, it's it's a guy that basically they're using now to build up their prospects. Like, hey, that he beat a serious seasoned veteran fighter when really it, it wasn't that did not that was not the case at all. Benavides did not win that fight; shouldn't have gotten the win. And you know, Herrera gets robbed, like we've seen two out of his last three fights now. Yeah, I'm really glad that Max Kellerman spoke up about it. Yeah, he was able to eloquently put like the travesty that you know right. that was there. He was right. able to really touch on um, and explain to the crowd. Sometimes the HBO crew has a hard time explaining the nuances of boxing. Right, they, they always have a tendency to sort of revert back to history and compare things to to previous fight instead of actually maybe explaining the nuance that's actually going on. And I thought, dude, we're we're fans, we're pundits, we're critics. Right. That's what part of our show is, is our show here, we analyze and and sort of regurgitate what we see in the ring. Right. And also what the announcers are saying. We're not here to beat them up for no for no reason whatsoever. It's not. We, we don't have a vendetta against them. We don't just not like them. Absolutely not. There's one thing we always try to do uh, on both sides of, uh, of, of the coin. Give credit where credit's due. Of course. And uh, Max Kellerman did a really nice job there. I thought, and, um, you know, I feel like it, in, there's a lot of circumstances in boxing that warrant that. Like with Teddy Atlas on the ESPN2 card that, at that Goosen promotion show that they did, when Tyson Cave was fighting against Oscar Scandon for the interim WBA super bantamweight title. Dude, that was a 100% complete shutout. Scandon had no answers, none whatsoever against... Tyson Cave. It was the biggest robbery I've ever seen, and it happened on ESPN in front of an audience that is mixed in with just your regular run-of-the-mill sports fan right. that watches this, sees that, goes, what the, what is boxing? Yeah. What a what a joke. I'm not watching this garbage. What kind of fake mock, if I want to watch fake shit, I'll watch the WWE. Right. That Yeah, that's just absolutely a joke. And I think uh, we almost witnessed Teddy Atlas have a conniption live on, on air. Yeah, dude. And uh, I, I thought he was going to freaking drop out, like straight <laughs> flat out, like heart, heart attack and drop. But you know what, man? Teddy was spot on. Yeah, he was. You know, he, he, he has a tendency to not be spot on from time to time. He has a tendency to just be lost in general. I yeah, think. yeah, absolutely. But not in this case, man. I mean, that was the most ridiculous. It was almost like the judges were, they weren't watching the fight. Somebody had told them about the fight. And they were like, eh, 
Whatever, I, man. I, I I like what Teddy said at the end, or you know, didn't like what he said. Just how he he made it clear that a lot of these judges have never been in the ring. Yeah, they've never taken a punch. They don't even know how to throw a punch, but yet they're judging guys that are throwing and 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 taking punches. It it makes absolutely no sense. There's got to be some way to clean this up. I don't have the answer. But you would think that these people would get together, the boxing heads, the the higher paid, higher up guys in these promotional companies would set up some type of way that they can clean up this judging. Because after this year and how many bad decisions we have seen, I mean, it's it's a joke. It's a complete joke. It is. It is. And you, you made a comment, I think it was in the last show, about how old are these judges? Some hey. of them are absolute dinosaurs I, that probably need to retake their driving test yes. because they can't see. Yeah, I, I, it's it's unbelievable to have this much money on the line and, and fighters' futures on the lines and having people that really don't know what they're looking at. No, absolutely. I, I don't care what any of those, refer, I mean, those judges have done. The fact is they did something wrong. They wronged somebody completely. Yes. Completely. So what needs to happen is they need to be at least talked to. Right. Sat down and asked by the commission, what are you? What did you see here? How could you have possibly scored this fight for a Scandon? I want to see what you're saying. Right. And if you can't logically make this make sense, if you cannot make your point, then you're suspended, you're fined, you're whatever. Right. But that's what happens in, in real life. If you don't do your job, then you are either reprimanded, you are your pay is docked. There are repercussions for you not performing the task that you signed up and committed to do. Right. And we see the same jokers get recycled over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they had a bad decision two fights ago or nope. it, it it's really needs to be cleaned up. They gotta figure out a way to do it. I don't know how to do it, but Please get it, something done here. If if there's one sport where the opportunities, like if you're not a fighter, okay, and you want to work in an industry, boxing may be the most difficult sport to actually get a job in. Oh working. hell yeah! It is the ultimate good old boys network. Right. It's like you know I was reading something when I got into a little tiff listening to Paulie Malignaggi spit his. Uh, his typical hypocritical bullshit back and forth. And, you know, there was something like a link and he was trying to convince everybody how famous he is. And there was a link that was posted to this like award ceremony that in, in Vegas, like a boxing award ceremony. Right. And it was for like ringside announcers or whatever. And I looked at like the history of the award for the last 20 years, like six guys won the damn award because there's only, it's the same six guys that work in the industry. It's all the judges are the same. All the refs are the same. All the people that call the fights are the same. It's one gigantic cluster. Boxing is like a traveling circus. It is. It is. It's, it's frustrating, man. When you dig into the teeth of the sport and you see some of the shit that goes on, it's, it's really annoying. Boxing needs an infusion of new blood. They need to restructure. The whole fucking yes. thing, man, needs to be restructured. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's great drama for us to talk about, but the average American, the average sports fan globally doesn't want to put up with the bullshit. Right. So they turn to other sports. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just as easy as that. Yep. You don't have to deal with it because there's 
actual structure. Even in the NFL, you know, a sport that is ran by a dictator, right? At least there's rules. You know, at least there's some sort of consistency and precedent for the things that they do. Yeah, do they levy some ridiculous fines? Yeah. Yeah. But at least they're consistent with it. Right. <sighs> man. Sports sports got some problems, buddy. Yeah, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. But at least, you know, at least the guys with the mics are touching on it. Right. Kellerman and and, uh, and Atlas did a good job in bringing it to the forefront. But is it going to change? No. I mean, come on. It's been going on since I've been alive and watching. Yeah. Since way before us, too. Yep. Way before us. All right, man. Let's. Uh, that'll do it for the HBO card. Any any takeaways, thoughts, overall comments about the HBO card at the Cosmopolitan? Andy Lee. Andy Lee. Impresses once again. Yeah. I mean, shocks the world pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoyed the Herrera-Benavidez fight. Yeah. Didn't like the result. And, you know, overall, I liked the Bradley Chavez fight. It was entertaining. Yeah, there were some, there were some nice spots in that fight where they traded, and, and yeah. it was definitely an entertaining fight. But it was Andy Lee's night at the Cosmopolitan, for sure. Yes, it was. So we go across the street to the MGM Grand Garden Arena, the home of Floyd Mayweather, and somebody else headlining there that is not named Floyd or Canelo. Amir King Khan squares off against Devin Alexander for the invisible right to take on Floyd Mayweather in his next fight. Everybody's pointing to that. But Floyd Mayweather doesn't fight black guys. So right. realistically, he's going to fight Amir Khan if he can win. They're just using that to sell that fight. They, Khan ain't fighting Mayweather. It ain't happening. You don't think so? No. What did you think about the fight? Uh, we don't really need to go round by round here because... It was uh, complete, utter domination. Yeah. Khan, you, lo- Khan looked very good. But uh, God, I, I, at the beginning I, of the fight, man, he was so frustrating to watch. He's so dirty, dude. He, I saw his new trickery, his new trick in his bag, going from the clinch to turning backwards. That yeah, did yeah, you notice that? Yeah, he was spinning around backwards. He's not going to let you rabbit punch him in a clinch. He's not. Yeah, he's. I don't know what that was, and you saw the judge say, "Hey, enough of that. Turn, turn around, dude." Yeah. So you thought that? Uh, I thought Khan looked pretty good. Yeah, I did he, too. He managed distance great, and always does. And his hands are so – he may have the fastest hands in the sport. Now, I don't know if there's there's not a lot on it. There are arm punches. But, God damn, that is just – I mean, he throws off four or five punch combos, and you – I mean, blink and you miss it. I think the only fighter that I can think of off the top of my head that has equal to maybe better hand speed than Khan, but it's so fast it's negligible. It's like, how do you even – like you'd have to put it in slow motion and count punches. Right. I mean, that'd be the only way you could tell is Felix Verdejo, the top ranked prospect. Oh yeah. Except Felix Verdejo brings the thunder behind his quickness. Yeah. There's uh there's some, there's some thump on them bad boys. But would you put that in the same category? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hand speed. Um, what was your score for the fight? I had it one twenty one Oh eight. I had Con winning every single round. I don't even think it was close in any rounds. Yeah. I, uh, I scored at one seventeen to one eleven. Um, I gave Alexander, in the beginning, uh, I gave him three rounds, three actually three out of the first five rounds. I thought that he was catching Khan a ton. I thought that Khan's tactics didn't warrant giving credit to. Right. So if I'm a judge, I'm, I'm, I'm going to score this. Is he manipulating the rules to his advantage by fighting like a dirtbag? Because technically within the rules, Khan should be penalized for, for, for the stuff that he pulls. Right. I mean, technically yeah. he should be. But here's the thing. It's not as a result of what's going on in the ring. 
it's part of his game plan. Oh, definitely. So that's what makes it to me. I can't score that for Khan. He's he's at his range that he likes to jab from. He'll jump in with that three punch combination and yeah. grab you. Yeah. Based off of the rules of boxing, I cannot give Khan rounds where he wins it off being a dirtbag. Yeah. I, so that's how that is my justification and qualification for giving Alexander those rounds. And his counter shots were were good. Yeah, he did land some nice counters. But that does not take away from my overall picture for this fight. Yeah. Okay? I'm 100% on board with you. Khan dominated this fight. Yeah, Khan made Alexander look worse than he's ever looked in So does fight. it matter if the scorecard's 120 to 108 or 117, 111? No, not really. No, it That's... doesn't matter. The fact is we both agree that Khan dominated. Okay, so let's move to the big question. I'm not going to go round by round and waste anybody's time on trying to round by round what? It was the same thing every round. Right. So – the takeaway from this fight is what how do you view do you view Khan any differently? Because Khan sure as shit was praising himself after the fight, saying that he has the best jab and fastest hands in boxing. I mean, he may have that, but I like we talked about last episode, I, I don't know where Khan gets his, his sense of entitlement from. I mean, did you look good? Did you beat a good fighter? Yes, you did. Congratulations. But you still have a re- recovery, as far as I'm concerned, from past fights. You can't just sit there and think because you beat Devin Alexander, who lost his last fight, now that you you deserve a shot at either Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather. This is your second fight at 147 pounds. An orthodox fighter who has a two-inch height advantage and a two-inch reach advantage fighting against a southpaw. Right. Khan has every advantage. Yes. So the southpaw's got to get in, and he can't. No, because your feet, as you saw, Khan was stepping on Alexander's feet. He was doing that on purpose too, trying to step on a step on his foot and land a weak punch at the same time and have him go down. He absolutely was. So you know, in every advantage here, it's just like I always revert back to because it was such a, a great display of how you can utilize and take advantage of that without fighting dirty. Is the Nicholas Walters Victor Chinian fight right? Um, where you saw Walters professionally go about utilizing and exploiting the advantages of reach, size, and the fact that the orthodox versus southpaw uh, clash of feet. Right. I mean, you know, Khan does it dirty. Um, Here's what I think. I think there's no denying Khan's physical, natural gifts, okay? I think that Khan could, in the judge's eyes, beat Floyd. I think he could cast a mirage... Right. And a little voodoo spell, he would outwork Floyd. Right. And he would have a size advantage against Floyd. You know what I think about that fight is that would be an absolutely boring-ass fight. Yes. I I completely agree. Floyd would be on the run the entire fight. I think you'd see a lot of both of them standing in what you would think is range to throw a punch, and they'd just be circling each other. It just, I'm not, that fight does nothing for me. It doesn't? No. Man, I tell you what, dude. They uh, these network guys, man. They try to sell it, though, man. By the end of that fight, they were trying to make you believe that Khan was the best fighter on the planet, besides Pacquiao and Mayweather. I don't even think that's remotely the case. I don't think Khan is even the best welterweight from England, much less the whole world. I think Kell Brook would wreck him. I will say he got hit on the chin a lot, and Alexander doesn't have the power to hurt him. No, Alexander is a small welterweight. Yeah, he's very small. He's very, very small, man. I think Kell Brook would beat him. You think so? He's bigger, he's stronger, and he fights in a way that you cannot 
physically impose yourself right. at all. Khan was huge compared to Alexander. Yeah, he was. He was a much bigger man. Yep. Square Khan off against somebody that's equally as big as him. You've seen what happens. Yeah. You've seen exactly what he, happens. He, he will get bullied. No, that's for sure. So you don't want to see him fight Mayweather then? No, I have no interest in that fight, man. I, I only have interest in one fight. And who the hell knows right. what's going to happen? Did you see uh, at the airs Londi Lara fight? Did yeah, you see said, Floyd's he rant? He said, let's make it happen. No, but did you, did you hear his rant before then? And he just went on. He basically recited the same excuses he's been saying for the, for the last five years. Everybody... You know, Why didn't you accept my offer? And yeah, all uh, you know, of course, all the all the Floyd sycophants that are on that are on Twitter, uh, they just believe Floyd. I used to be one of those guys. Did you? I can't <laughs> believe you're admitting that on uh, on the air. But used to just take Floyd at his at his word, and there's right. there all of Floyd's fans do. They take him at his word, so they believe what he's saying. So if Floyd's word is gospel, then you got people on there saying, yeah, and Paulie Malignaggi was the first person to be like, yeah, spit it, Floyd. Right. Let, let him know, Floyd. You know what my response to that was? Did Al Heyman give Mayweather a new script of excuses? He probably did. It's just Floyd can't read them. Right. <laughs> you want to say, you know, you know what I mean? That's, he's he's that, regurgitating the same ship. And that's Floyd's level. Right. That's Floyd's response. Floyd goes to the childish insults. Right. Right? So that's my response to Floyd. Look, my Floyd response to Floyd is I mean, he, can't, he can't read the memo. Steve Farhood gets the memo. Right. And, 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 and the script and tells the crowd exactly what Showtime wants us to hear. Right. He gets it. Right. Right? But Floyd can't read it. <laughs> Come on, man. He keeps going back to this Juan Manuel Marquez thing. Right. Anybody ever talk about the fact that that Floyd completely manipulated the entire Juan Manuel Marquez that he fought in? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, go back and pull the files on that. Go back and pull the stories surrounding his fight with Marquez and how unbelievably corrupt and one-sided the decision-making was leading into that fight with a guy that had no business fighting at the same weight class at that time no. with Floyd whatsoever. And Floyd took every single advantage possible and paid Marquez at the fact that Floyd did not weigh in at the weight class that he was supposed to. So no. he paid off Marquez. Marquez should have never taken that fight. No, he shouldn't have. So he, he, needed, and, he needed the payday. But Floyd will always go to it. Oh, I mean, come on, man. You know, he got knocked out by Marquez. Right. He got he lost to Timothy Bradley. Blah, 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 blah. While, while Floyd Mayweather is the one who's, who, who lost rounds to a slow, plodding, non-boxing, poorly trained, flabby Marcos Maidana twice. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. So he's so full of shit, man. Get a freaking new bag of tricks. Seriously, man. Same old, regurgitated. Lies. Bullshit. Idiots that believe them. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next fight. Keith, one-time Thurman, squaring off against the undefeated Italian Leonard Bundu, or as Paulie Malinaggi, the Italian interpreter for Showtime, says, Bundu. Yeah. The in, for the interim WBA welterweight fight. 45 seconds into the first round, Vince, Thurman switches from orthodox to southpaw and immediately sits back as he switches, launching a left hook, monster left hook, knocking Bundu down. Yes, and you thought, okay, this one's going to be real quick. Thurman's reaction to that knockdown, I considered fast-forwarding it to the end of the fight. 
Yeah. I, I, I swear to you, the way Thurman re- responded to that, I have written here in all caps, puzzling. He knocks Bundu down. Bundu's dazed. Bundu gets up, and Thurman starts backpedaling. Yeah. He starts running from the guy he just knocked down. It was frustrating performance for Thurman. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what is he doing? What is he doing? I don't know if he was trying out some new strategy and he wanted to go. Yeah, okay. You know what, Vin? Try out your new strategies. That's fine. But don't go in here promoting yourself and trying to be the next Triple G right. with your, your out-of-this-world out power that he actually does possess and tell everybody, one time, one time, one time, one time, knockout, 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 knockout. We're always looking for the knockout. And then this is what you bring? Yeah, and Bundu really had nothing to hold off his attack. He could have easily turned it up and, and finished that fight, I believe, anyways. I have written here, just Z's. Oh, yeah. Just Z's. And horrible fight, Z's. Horrible fight, horrible fight, horrible fight. That was the worst fight of the night. It was. By far. I, a lot of it has to do with, with Bundu's style, I think. He's, I, I very, think he's very jumpy. I think it's grossly exaggerated. Yeah, he's jumpy. 100%. You're, you're spot on. He is a jumpy guy. Dude, he's not Saki Obika. No, the problem was is you were wondering what's holding Thurman back. Because Bundu punches like a girl, so just get mow in, him down. Yeah, get in there and let's just let's just finish this guy. Look, here's my problem: Bundu wasn't jumping side to side. No, he's jumping back and forth. Bundu was walking forward. Yeah, he was walking Thurman backwards. Thurman was playing defense like Arislandi Lara. He was skating the outside of the ring. Bundu would swing and miss. Thurman's hands would go up like Olay. And he would skate back around. Right. Thurman should have come forward and finished him. Yeah, the killer instinct was not there for some reason, and it was a little disheartening. See, that's just it. I, you know, and here was the most frustrating part for me. After having to watch that, okay, after having to watch this fight, the way that Thurman handled himself after the fight in the post-fight, the crowd... They booed towards the end of that fight. They right. did, okay? They booed in spots. Overall, during the beginning of the interview with Thurman, they weren't booing. No. But as soon as Thurman started saying some things that were really, really kind of sad for a guy like Thurman, for a guy that promoted himself to be this just unstoppable force, the things that he said got a reaction out of the crowd. Right. I think he's still... Figuring it out, figuring that part of of the game out as far as selling himself, not as the knockout artist, but himself outside of the ring, his personality yeah. as a fighter. He's still very young. Yeah, he. I, I think he, and immature the way he responded. Right. He's he's got the knockout. You know, he's the guy that gets the knockout. So I feel like in the interviews he thinks he's got to be the tough talker. The when really he should just just let it be, man. Let it come to you. Be yourself. You don't have to exaggerate over-exaggerate what you are in the ring while you're talking and try and sell everybody on that. It really, it, it, it's, it's not going to work. People aren't going to like that. Well, you got to be consistent. You right. can't create, like you can't, what ends up happening with these Heyman guys, okay, is they, they falsely create an aura that does not exist. Right. You know what I mean? That's the problem, mm-hmm. is they get wrapped up into believing the hype. Right. Okay, so Keith Thurman has marketed it himself in one direction. It's built to the point 
with Keith Thurman that this is who he is. Right. You know what I mean? Because we've heard he's got enough exposure at a young enough age to where we now believe exactly what he says because to this point he's backed it up. Right. Okay? He did the exact opposite of what he said. I look, he won every round, mm-hmm. okay? He if this was him fighting against Manny Pacquiao, Kel Brook, Sean Porter, right. Amir Khan, anybody in the top 10 of the 147-pound division, I would have said this was a great fight. Right. This, he put on, he was boxing like he was in the ring with Triple G. Yeah, he was. Very calculated, which he's... He, and tentative. Yeah. Like he was afraid to get hit. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. And His I, response to the crowd was, when the first boo came, he said, and it was his tone. He goes, it's a sport of boxing, and I choose how I want to fight. Right. And he got, like, extremely, extremely standoffish and defiant. Right. And Jim Gray was like, hey, man, you're the one who's been saying that you're going to knock everybody out. He, Dude, man. And then he went to the layoff, and the now we're going to go back to the gym and work harder. We're going to try for the knockout next time, all that. Didn't crap. you just want him to shut up? Yeah, he was talking too much. He was spinning his tires, yes, wasn't he? Yes, he was. As the boot- I think he tried. He, he realized at the start of that that – he put his foot in his mouth yeah. by making that comment. He I, tried to talk. I fight how I want to fight. Yeah, you can't talk your way out of that, dude. No, but he tried to. Yeah. He was spinning his tires in a big old heaping pile of shit. It's you told us this is what you were. You sold us on the knockout king, Keith Thurman. You didn't give us uh, even a shadow of that. No, you gave us Arizlandi Lara. Yeah, which is good to know. Hey, the kid can box, but that's not what you are, son. Yeah, get in no. there and and take care of this guy. Al Bernstein compared this fight to Leonard Hearns. To Leonard Hearns. Look, it's fine to compare Hearns' power with Thurman's power. I'm okay with that. I I don't have a problem with that, okay? But Hearns wasn't fighting Bundu. He was fighting Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, how is that even? So that the reason why Hearns was forced to box was because he was fighting Sugar Ray Leonard. Right. Not Leonard Boondu. The only thing they have in common is their first name. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, I cannot believe that. That's a terrible comparison. And, you know, the funny part is, if you watch the replay, as soon as he says it, you can just, a a pin drops, and then he starts backpedaling out of that, like, oh, man, he tried to, like, explain his way out of it. It was like, oh, no. You're calling Boondu Sugar Ray Leonard, huh? Yeah, man, that was... (laughs) That, it was horrible, man. Then they start trying to make, make stuff up as, as to why the fight was so awful. And they say, oh, well, maybe Thurman's hurt, and he re-injured that left shoulder, which is why he's fighting southpaw. He was switching stances because Bundu was. Right. They're just making excuses for a guy that they expect to make that network a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> Not at all. All right, man. Let's move to the return of Abner Mares. All right? Abner Mares put on an absolutely hideous display in his last fight against Jonathan Okendo. And that might have had something to do with the fact that who was in his corner is that he had Virgil Hunter trying to tell him, you know, trying to turn him into Andre Ward, which was not the case. Is Virgil Hunter the fight whisperer now? Is that, is that what he is? I guess, man. <laughs> he waves his hand in front of you like Yoda and says, No, or do not. There is no try. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways, so uh, what would you think about Marez's performance knocking out Ramirez? Uh, Ramirez's corner throwing in the towel after the fifth round. I mean, not a terrible performance for Mars. Took a lot of hits. He did take some shots, boy. 
way too many. And uh, he's talking about Lomachenko and, and, and Santa Cruz. I'm sorry, man. These guys will, will put, put a hurting on Mars. I was, I was thinking during that fight, um, there was a, com, uh, a commentator on, on Twitter saying that, it would, that since Lomachenko knocked out Ramirez, it would be, uh, you know, it would look bad on Mares if he couldn't do the same. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, while I'm watching the fight, thinking Lomachenko could box both these guys at the same time. Oh, yeah. Easily. He would just run circles around him, just peppering him and picking him off. Yeah. Come on, man. Are you, are you, are you serious? Yeah, I, that, that's an asinine statement right there. I mean, come on. Mars is not that good, man. No. He, he's, his fights can be exciting, like last night's fight was, because he likes to trade, and he gets hit, and he throws some big shots. But he is not world-class material. He's just no. not. I can see him beating. I can. I can see him beating Granovich. Okay, mm-hmm. and I could see him beating Santa Cruz, maybe. I give I would I would give fifty to one odds on Lomachenko. Oh, clean sweep! I would give fifty to one odds on Lomachenko and Nicholas Walters. Nicholas Walters would knock Mares out yes. within three rounds. Yeah, Johnny Gonzalez already knocked him out in the first round. Yeah, do you think he stands any chance against Johnny Gonzalez? Nicholas Walters or Vasil Lomachenko, three very different fighters. No, I don't. Not at all. He's gonna. He wants to rematch with Gonzalez first. Uh, it's gonna end the same way. Yeah. If it doesn't end in the first, it'll end in the first five. Yeah. Dude, Gonzalez is a beast. No, and Mars leaves himself too open. Yeah. I mean, he leaves his chin just completely exposed. Yeah. Not impressed. Um, you know he. Got rid of a guy he should have gotten rid of. Right. Jamal, Jamal Charlo of the Fighting Charlos uh, beats Lenny Bowtie, who showed up to the ring wearing his Asics running shoes and his uh, his soccer socks. Did you notice that? Yeah, Are that. You, uh, come on, man. Jamal's the more more aggressive of the right. two, of the two Charlos. Um, I really want to see these guys fight somebody. Yeah, I'm not that impressed. I'm gonna be honest with you, Jermel. I mean, the boxer of the two, right? The guy who's he, the the one who's fought a little bit better competition. He's unbearable to watch. Dude. He is, man. They're very technical fighters, and they, I'm sorry, there was just nothing that flashed when you're watching them fight. Where you're going, man, this kid's going to do something special. Nah, he's he's they're, they seem like just another top ten guy. Victor Taco Bell Ortiz. Uh, <laughs> Victor looked friggin' huge. Did you notice his upper body? Yeah. I think uh, Expendables 3 set lifting with old Arnie and Sly, <laughs> pumping some PEDs possibly. I mean, his upper body was huge, man. Dude, I thought there was a chance in that first round Perez was hitting him with some body shots. I was like, is, is Taco Bell going to get knocked out by this guy? He's got visions of Chalupas dancing in his head. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I, I don't know, man. Uh, Ortiz just needs to fight guys like this for the rest of his life. It, Ortiz fights will always be entertaining because he lets it all hang out. I mean, look, he is what he is. He's he's kind of become a laughing stock. But I mean, Victor Ortiz at one time was a really good fighter. <laughs> but Victor Ortiz knocked him out. He went up to him to try to talk to him, try to talk to Perez. <laughs> Perez was like looking around. He was like he was stumbling, drunk in the ring. He was looking up at the lights. <laughs> My wife was like. <laughs> He must be thinking to himself, who the hell are these people? <laughs> like, he was just looking around, and everybody kept coming up to him, batting him on the back. And he's just looking up. He's just like, huh? What? What the hell is going on here? 
Dude, he was drunk for like two minutes after the fight. Yeah. He had no idea where he was. Ortiz uh, clipped him pretty good, man. Errol Spence, the prodigy, the prospect. What did you think about Spence? I mean, it's tough to say because uh, Javier Castro, I think I could I could beat right now. That, that The guy was a complete freaking joke, man. I mean, you can't judge how good a fighter is based off his fight against Javier Castro. I mean, come on. The guy was just horrible. I, I don't even – has he ever boxed before? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Dude, Steve Farhood kept saying – Oh, the ref needs to jump in there and stop it. I was screaming at the TV. How about Errol Spence stop it? Yeah, this guy is horrible. The fact that it lasted five rounds was it stopped in the, or stopped before the fifth? No, it was fifth round. Yeah, was it fifth round? Look, Spence should have gotten rid of this guy in about forty-five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Look, Spence is accurate, but then again, his opponent wasn't throwing any punches. Was standing right in front of him. Um, I think that Spence is too premeditated in his punches, yeah, which doesn't allow him to let it fly. He, I don't think he's got much power. I think that's still the amateur. They're trying to work out of his system a little bit. To let his hands fly, sit down into his punches? Yeah, but... He's way too technical, dude. Yeah, he is. He is. He, he's just... A, it's Look, it's another one of those fighters that's got fast hands, looks, looks pretty in his style and his boxing ability. Yeah. I just don't know if there's anything special there. I really don't. I don't either. I really don't either, man. You know, the fact that he could not get this guy out of there was unbelievable yeah. to me. Yeah. That was the worst fighter I've seen in the ring all year in, uh, any, yes. in any fight. But was Farhood saying that he wanted it stopped because he was embarrassed for Errol Spence because he couldn't get rid of him? I mean, seriously, why else do you say that? It's like you are supposed to be in the same category as Anthony Joshua, right. as Felix Verdejo. As as prospects along mm-hmm. cut from cut from that cloth? No. No, you know what you look like to me? Another Gary Russell. Yeah. You're exactly right. He's got a lot of work to do, man. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of work to do. Um Felix Verdejo, another impressive victory in Philadelphia. Yeah, he just keeps uh keeps climbing the ladder, boy. I can't cannot wait to see this kid actually hit the scene and blow because it's it's gonna be something special and, and if you haven't seen him, please Go to YouTube and watch some of the highlights and some of the fights from this kid. He is top-notch in all aspects. Unbelievable hand speed, unbelievable power. Proved it again last night, fourth-round knockout in Philly. The guy's, he's, he may be the best prospect in boxing right now. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think him and him and Anthony Joshua are neck and neck for yeah. sure. Um, let's go to the night before on Showtime, the return of the Roadrunner. me. me. Erzlandi Lara <laughs> against Ishe Smith. This was a fight from the onset that Ishe Smith thought that he could get into Laura's head, and that's how he was going to win this fight. Be tough, be tougher than Laura, try to out-physical him, and play mind games with him. He was chasing him. He was following him into the corner after the bell rang. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how much respect Ishe Smith gets from from other fighters going into a fight. Erzlandi Lara was probably like this... This is going to be easy work. And it was. It was definitely easy work. There was a point where in the second round, Laura was escaping some of the inside work on the ropes. Ishe would, you know, he would do some he would do some work, throw some combos on Laura while he was up against the ropes, and Laura would escape. And <laughs> you hear Ishe Smith start yelling. He started saying, stop running, puto! Stop running, puto! 
Like, he was, like, yelling at him to stop. I was like, oh, God, this is how Ishe is going to try to win. He's going to try to play the Canelo card. Right. And try to, like, you know, say, well, he's... The, he's Thinking that rep from that fight is, is going to get him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Laura's reputation was going to shoot himself in the foot. Right. You know? Unfortunately, with this, is that Laura just flat out dominated Ishe Smith. Ishe yeah, Smith is nowhere near the level of fighter of Arislandi Laura. I mean, I think Laura did what he had to do in that fight, which was pretty much win every round. Yeah, I mean, Ishe blew his wad just running his mouth in the first three rounds. What the hell are you doing, man? You, you're you in no position in your career or as a fighter, and nor have you ever been to be running your mouth in a ring like that. I scored at 119 to 109 for Laura. I gave Ishe Smith the last round. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. Pretty much a clean sweep. Yeah. And I, you know what? I should have just not given that round to Smith for being a little bitch yeah. in, the, in the way that he was <laughs> a, approaching the beginning of that fight. Right. You know me, man. I will rarely, if ever, say anything on the behalf of Arislandi Lara. No, I know. I'm not a fan of Arislandi Lara. No, his style of fighting is not your uh, your cup of tea. No, it is the opposite of my cup of tea. <laughs> I think his style is horrendous. Yeah. Maybe the worst form of that style in the entire sport. I can't stand it. But I hate to say it, man. Erzlandi Lara could have just tied both of his hands behind his back and just mind tricked Ishe Smith into losing. I yeah. mean, that's Ishe Smith had no business being in the ring with them. And it's just another example of the horrible 401k retirement plan for Floyd Mayweather. Floyd, you're gonna have to fight until you're 60, dude, because your stable of fighters sucks. Yeah, they're uh, they're horrible. I know, man. You would think that he would be able to attract young, talented black fighters and get them, you know, while they're ripe and young. And he, he's got these guys like Ishe Smith and, I mean, come on. Dude, they all, it's like he, he gets these guys that kiss his ass. Right. And that are yes men to him. And he thinks, eh, maybe they're not all that good, but just being around me is going to make them great. Right. And they think because they're around Mayweather, for some reason, they're better than they are, too. It's that's. It's a joke. It's the Heyman mentality, it man. It is. It is. Think you are more than what you actually are, and you will become right. Floyd. Think, and therefore you are. Yeah. <laughs> Random acts of quillin. <laughs> Random acts of quillin. All right, man. So I guess that'll do it here for episode 27, the post-fight edition of the Dueling Fight Cards as HBO took on Showtime. One last little tidbit before we close the show and the music rolls. Uh, Steve Kim tweeted out the boxing audience numbers um, for 2014, the top audiences for cable TV fights in 2014. Uh, did you see this? No, I did not. All right, I'm going to run it down for you. Okay. Okay, number one, uh, Chavez Jr. Vera 2. Okay. Really? At, yeah, 1.4 million. Uh, number two, Hopkins Kovalev, 1.3 million. Number three, Golovkin Rubio, 1.3 million. Number four, Crawford Gamboa. <sighs> 1.2 million. Number five, Marquez Alvarado, 1.2. Number six, Donaire Walters, 1.1 million, uh, which was an undercard fight um, and had more viewers. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Provodnikov Algieri, 1 million. Number eight, Salido Lomachenko, 1 million. Number nine, Kovalev Agnew, 1 million. Number 10, Postal Aiden, 1 million. Number 11, Kovalev Caparillo, 990,000. Number 12, Golovkin Gil. 980,000. Number 13, Pascal Butte, 982,000. Those are all HBO fights. One through 13, all HBO fights. The next fight, number 14, is the only Showtime fight on, in the top 15 
Garcia versus Herrera had 972,000. That was all the way back in March. That was number 14 on the list and the only Showtime fight. Number 15 was an ESPN fight. Areola versus Stavern, too. you got to be shitting me. No. ESPN outrating Showtime? I mean, overall, yeah. Was Stavern Areola? They had, no, well, Showtime, the Garcia Herrera had 32,000 more viewers than Areola Stavern. Yeah, dude. 1 through 15, number 14 on the list is a Showtime fight. 1 through 13, all HBO. Mm, mm, mm. That is that's can't a slap in the face, boy. Yeah, I can't wait to see the ratings from last night. It's going to be interesting to see how, how going head-to-head. The only advantage I give to Showtime was is that they were on the air previous to HBO. And they had Khan, who was probably the biggest name out of any of the fighters that, just on, based up over in England and America combined. But the thing is, is that the timing of it couldn't have been worse. Right. Because the HBO coverage started literally right as soon as the Abner Mares fight ended. Yeah. So people were like, whoop, switch it over. Yeah. Just like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think that had the Thurman fight already started, people probably would have stayed tuned in. Because I don't think that I would have changed the channel you know, like immediately. Like I would have right. been like, oh, well, the Thurman fight's already started. I'll just, you know, start right. my DVR later for HBO. Right. But either way, yeah, I thought those, uh, when Steve Kim tweeted out these numbers, um, I found them very, very helpful. Yeah. Very, very interesting. It's an indictment Thanks. on Showtime. Yeah, but Steven Espinosa's got a laundry list of excuses, just like Floyd Mayweather does. Oh, yeah. Just like Floyd Mayweather does. All right, folks, so there you go. Post-fight edition, episode 27 of the tale of the tape we will be back in a few days with a preview of the return of the superman adonis stevenson we'll preview that fight and uh, give you the rundown on how the year is going to end here at the tale of the tape for my co-host vince cummings you can follow him on twitter at vince cummings 81 i'm your host kenny keith of sportsrantradio.com and you can follow me on twitter at boxing yoda we will see you all in a few days for episode 28 of the tale of the tape same bat time same bat chance may the force be with you